Warning, the following podcast contains fuck. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Hymns, ZipRecruiter, Stamps.com, and by the American Atheist 2018 National Convention. Find out more at atheists.org. The American Atheist 2018 National Convention. If you don't come hang out with us, we hate you. And now, The Scathing Atheist. As a professor of science, I assure you that we did... In fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. It's (laughs) Thursday. It's March 8th. And Roy Moore's broken more ways than one. <laughs> I'm no illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. From New York, New York, and Secret Lair, Pennsylvania. This is Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, Kentucky vies for that toddlers and tiaras slash say yes to the dress crossover we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Roy Moore tries to crowdsource money to silence a victim at GoFundMe too. <laughs> and we learn that the Vatican has more gay dudes than Eli's browser history. But first, the diatribe. Well, I guess it was inevitable that the Me Too movement would reach the atheist world, too. As I'm sure you've heard by now, BuzzFeed published a lengthy expose on Lawrence Krauss uh, that details a number of serious sexual harassment and misconduct allegations against him. And yes, they're only allegations. And yes, he denies them. But they're damn credible allegations from a damn credible reporter. Multiple women who don't know each other describing similar behavior over a long period of time on multiple continents. Two institutions restricting his access to their facilities in response to the complaints. Witnesses who the victims told contemporaneously confirmed harassment complaints from at least one former student. Like, basically, we're a signed yearbook away from Roy Moore levels of evidence. Except with Krause, it was adults. Still, I'm better than Roy Moore is a long fucking ways from exculpatory. So what does this mean for the atheist movement? Well... It means we should assess this evidence with the same critical eye that we pride ourselves on when we're looking at any other set of evidence. We should see it's a goddamn mountain of fucking evidence, and we should condemn both the behavior and the behavior. Right? Because by any reasonable standard, Krauss was a leader in this movement, and I really hope I'm not being premature in saying was. He was a popular speaker and author, and I've never actually met him, but I've cited his work on the show. I've talked up his events and shit quite a few times. So thing one, we need to stop doing all that shit. Uh, but but it's more than just how we react to Kraus. This is a wake-up call, and we should be getting ready for more of it. And there's no reason to believe that the atheist and skeptical movements are any more insulated against sexual harassment than any other movement or industry or conglomeration of human beings. In fact, there might be reason to believe the exact opposite. My guess is that I'm going to bury a few more heroes before this is all over, and I've got to be ready to do that, and so do you. You know, if the same type of allegations came out about me tomorrow, I'd, I would hope you'd unsubscribe and move on to the next person. But that's the beauty of our movement. You could just move on to the next person. 
Because as disturbing as the allegations against Kraus are, uh, assuming that we act appropriately now as a movement, there's no reason for it to be a dent on us. Our movement doesn't have a hierarchy. Nobody needs to step into the vacuum that Kraus leaves or anything. We just need to slightly adjust some conference schedules. You know, I got to thinking about this on the way home from a talk I did on Sunday for the Lehigh Valley Humanists. Thanks to everybody who came out, by the way. Um, anyway, at the end of the talk, I'm doing the whole, but what can we do phase of the presentation? And I have the obligatory slide of a cowboy trying to herd cats, and I get a laugh off of it. You know, this is a complaint we all but pride ourselves on in the atheist movement. You know, sure, we have leaders in some sense of the term, but we only follow them as long as they're taking us in the direction that we want to go. And because we're all moving in slightly different directions, there's never a chance of us all falling off the same cliff. Like, compare this to the religious equivalent. Right? If we were Christians and Krauss was our spiritual leader, this would taint our entire movement, even if we did fire him afterwards and bring in a new guy. And the reason is that our whole institution is built on our claim of moral superiority. Being a Christian is supposed to make you more moral. The leaders get there by being really, really Christian. And thus, if it turns out that they're not moral, the whole precept starts falling apart. Of course, this is when they would retreat to the no true Scotsman fallacy and say, well, it turns out our leader wasn't really a Christian after all. But that's hardly convincing from the outside, since what they're then admitting is that even a well-versed Christian like themselves can't determine Christian qualities in another person, even when that other person is lecturing them on those Christian values. Right. But in the atheist movement, we have intellectual leaders, not moral leaders. We're an intellectual movement that makes no pretense of providing superior moral behavior. I mean, we should still hold our leaders to a high moral standard and we should condemn and abandon them when they fail to live up to it because we, we may not be a moral movement, but we're also not an immoral one. The distinction, though, is that none of us looked up to Lawrence Krauss because of his moral fortitude. Right. We looked up to him because of his intellectual capacity. And I don't say that to exonerate him. I say it to exonerate us. You know, for us to be in the same position as the Christian who found out their moral leader was a serial sex criminal, BuzzFeed would have had to publish an expose that showed Lawrence Krauss had actually been stupid this whole time and we hadn't noticed. You know, we're not a leaderless movement. We, we say that from time to time, and in a sense, it's true. But there can't really be a movement if there aren't leaders. We don't have a hierarchy of cardinals and bishops and shit, but we do have people who volunteer as curators or pundits or catalysts, and each of us accepts some of them and reject the others, but we do wind up coalescing around a few. You know, sometimes that turns out well for us, and other times we later discover that we've been following a pretty despicable human being. But if we force ourselves to rise above hero worship, if we allow ourselves to be as critical of those we admire as we are of those we detest, then this phenomenon just serves to make our movement stronger through natural selection. And as someone who's taken it upon himself to herd cats for a living, I can say that anybody who volunteers for this position should be ready to be taken to task vociferously by those they seek to lead. They should be ready to be held to a high standard, both ethically and intellectually, and they should be ready to be rejected if they fail to meet it. As a movement, we can only be as good as the gauntlet we send our leaders through. And anyone who seeks to be a leader in this movement should embrace that fact and be proud of it. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the good and the bad to my ugly Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas. Are you ready to herd some cats? Huh. Well, I do enjoy being hated mm -hmm. a lot, being hated and looking at buttholes. Well, so. there, there you <laughs> go. Sounds actually pretty good. Uh, okay. For the record, I have never claimed not to be a serial harasser. So you all know what you're in for. You can all unsubscribe right. to these yeah, guys. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> somebody clearly needs to take a moment with the whiteboard. So we're going to pause for a quick word from our first sponsor this week, Hims. I just don't want to surprise anyone. Hey, Heath, have you seen... Why is Carl on your head? 
Hey, no, how you doing? Yeah, um, well, you know, I just thought it might be nice to have something for AA con. You know what I'm saying? Something for the ladies to, like, run their hands through. You mean hair? Yeah. You're using Carl for hair. Mm. I I tried to tell him, no, I really did. I told him. Uh, Excuse me, this seemed like the best solution for everybody involved. Why not try forhims.com? What's forhims.com? Forhims.com is the one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, etc. for men. So, when you say sexual wellness. I I mean they offer medical grade solutions and real doctors offering well-known generic equivalents of name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair and other things. So, you know, you don't have to wear our magical pug friend as a toupee. Uh, Pug a pegacorn, first of all. Second of all, I am now grateful he went with toupee. So I just want to throw that out there. Look, uh, thanks for the advice, Noah, but I've heard about, you know, those websites. Right. No, sexual I, I get wellness. it. But, but he, this is not herbal supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. Plus, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. You can save hours by going to forhims.com. Hmm. And, and plus, I wouldn't have to keep so much garlic bread around. Mm-hmm. That. Oh, okay. You, you should still do that. I love garlic bread. Exactly. Just answer a few quick questions. A doctor will review and prescribe what you need, and then they send it directly to your door. Okay, that's going to be expensive, though, right? Yeah, but our listeners get a trial month of everything you need to keep your hair for just $5 right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Just go to forhimscom slash scathing. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash scathing. Trust me, go to the website. Forhims.com slash scathing. Uh, all right. I'll try it. I'm going to try it. And put Carl down. Okay. Well, he's asleep up there now. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you can leave him. Oh, this is double garlic bread. <laughs> I love the visual on that. <laughs> and now back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, a petition to establish a national holiday for evangelical leader and guy who totally had some Jewish friends, Billy Graham, has garnered more than 100,000 signatures. The petition cites Graham's appeal in both religious and secular arenas, which is true only in that some of us atheists wouldn't object too hard if you threw him in one with a lion, maybe. (laughs) He's just like, is this a girl lion? No! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, it is. No, 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 it's not. So if successful, the move would see Graham joining Martin Luther King and George Washington as the only three people that have their own federally recognized holiday. So so we got father of the country, icon of civil rights and nonviolent protest, and guy who made Christianity nominally more popular for a decade and a half. Circle the one that doesn't belong. Right? Okay, but, but did... George Washington and MLK win a gospel musical. Well, there's there's that. Okay, I'm calling floodgates right now if we let this slip through, right? A year from now, we're going to be celebrating Fallwell Fridays. (laughs) It's a lot. All right, so let's just be clear here. Graham never did anything, right? I mean, he's being hailed by his supporters as a major player in the civil rights movement, but his involvement was pretty much limited to like, being okay with it. And and then he was decidedly anti-civil rights when gay people wanted some too. And also there's the anti-Semitism thing. Hell, being that his chief contribution to the world was turning people Christian, one could make a damn convincing argument that even letting him lie in honor in the U.S. Capitol is a violation of church-state separation, right? I mean, I I feel like the dude who converts the most Muslims isn't going to get the same honor. But he was the greatest boxer of all time. So that dude... (laughs) Stung like a bee. Hold on, I don't know. 
I think Trump will get a holiday for converting Muslims, <laughs> Ramadanald or something. But but I don't think he was a boxer, was he? <laughs> we'll go back over it later. Um, and, and and those are only a few of the many reasons, by the way, that friend of the show Sharon Frankel of the Habeas Humor Podcast has started her own petition to not honor Billy Graham with his very own holiday. <laughs> if you'd like to add your name for uh, to her efforts, you can find a link on the show notes for this episode and also on our Facebook page. Finally, the petition I've been waiting for not to do something. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> no, I will. Sign that. <laughs> I will. And in, I want to marry a child news oh, tonight. Jesus. Yeah. That's, a bill that's opposing that. child marriage in Kentucky was struck down this week in the most Kentucky thing to happen since losing the Civil War. <laughs> thanks, in large part, to a conservative Christian group called, and this is not made up, the Family Foundation. Oh, Jesus. All right, all right. Hey, before we go any further, I want to reiterate that we're not moving the production to Kentucky no matter how good a deal Ken offers you on his boat. Okay. <laughs> Pin in that. So here are the details. <laughs> Under current Kentucky law, this is real, 16 and 17-year-old girls can get married with parental permission, but girls of any age can marry as long as they're pregnant and marrying the expectant father. What? Jesus. Yeah, that's the law really? right now in 2018. Just pregnant 13-year-olds marrying 40-year-olds, totally fine. Jesus. Wow. I mean, that seems hypocritical, right? Like that fetus is a person. It should have the right <laughs> to opt out of all that stuff, being jabbed at with like a weird old dick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? No consent there. So the problems are pretty obvious. Uh, to everyone except Heath. And luckily for us and the screaming <laughs> I, of the lambs. I got it. Stay, stay, I, so one of the problems is aware. <laughs> but luckily for us uh, and the screaming of the lambs, State Senator Julie <laughs> Adams proposed Bill SB 48, which would raise the minimum age for marriage to 17. And Great. if a 17-year-old wanted to get married, they would need a judge's permission, which seems kind of minor to me, considering... I don't know any 17-year-olds I'd trust with a full-on driver's license, let alone a marriage license. And I, here I just don't know any 17-year-old girls, Eli. <laughs> okay, braggy, braggy. <laughs> yeah, this what could go wrong? Let's put this in the hands of judges in the South. Yeah, right. That's great. <laughs> it's not like some creepy-ass judge is going to use this to meet slutty 17-year-olds and then almost win a seat in the U.S. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, let's uh -huh. relax. There's no... Right. Well, no that worries. was too far for the family foundation. They weren't having it. Blaming the language of the bill, this was their problem. Quote, we're continuing to work on the language to try to address the concern the family foundation and others have raised to make sure that we're protecting the role of parents, but also giving the extra set of eyes to make sure the court is reviewing petitions. End quote. Because... Let's be honest, if your high schooler is getting married, there's one thing we know, and it's you're a good parent. <laughs> yeah, what? Jesus. <laughs> what the, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't want to impinge on one person's right to a different person getting married. I, oh, actually, that's pretty big in Christianity these days, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. If Kim Davis marries two pregnant lesbian 13-year-olds, I will let this whole thing go. <laughs> yep, that's fair. <laughs> two votes, two votes. And in more money than sense news, it looks like the job market for homophobic, anti-Semitic, child molester judges might be running dry these days, even in places where you might expect otherwise, like Alabama. 
And that means Roy Moore is having trouble making ends meet. Aww. So he's asking for some handouts. And uh, if you listen very closely, you guys hear that? You hear some very sad violin music being played with sympathy for Roy Moore. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. I can't tell her not to rehearse. She just plays louder. <laughs> so, uh, according to a panhandling Facebook post from Roy Moore last week, he only needs about $250,000 and he should be good for a while. Yeah. To us too, as it turns out. <laughs> Patreon.com. <laughs> oh, it's like, and it hasn't even been proven yet. So get in there. Come on. Yeah. So he wants everyone to know that uh, it's not because he's living some kind of lavish lifestyle. That's not why he needs 250 grand. It's because unholy forces of evil are working against him and he needs to pay for a legal team, which uh, includes a Jew. So it's expensive. (laughs) He's like, also, they say I can't go into Forever 21 anymore unless I buy some every time, (laughs) y'all. Jesus. Yeah, and uh, just to be clear, when he said unholy forces of evil are working against him. He was talking about victims of molestation by him. Right, right. (laughs) He needs the money because he's being taken to court by one of the many women who accused him of molesting them as kids. She's an unholy, evil victim of him being a molester. (laughs) That's what he means. Ugh, you fuck someone and then you ask everyone for money to prove that you didn't? Otherwise known as a Jill Stein. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, did we forget when the nice fraud lady kept all our recount money? You remember that? Oh, you remember the recount? She kept that money. She kept it. Reminder. Did the recount She kept work? it. Or is, is did it go the world through? on fire? Did she have legal stuff? No. Or is, no. Okay. No. It's she just kept thing. your money. She kept your money. Okay. That's fine. I'll do a recount, too. Hey, pal. <laughs> we need about Doing a quarter right of a million dollars. <laughs> One. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm do, I'm starting for free. <laughs> All right. So uh, one other detail on that lawsuit against Roy Moore. It was too late to try him for a sex crime because it's been too long. Right. Yeah. So, no, if there's any place you need a strict statute of limitations. Yeah, that's yeah. that's important. Right. So it's a defamation suit based on Moore's public statements uh, during his campaign, claiming that this woman is a liar. And His legal argument, it actually has nothing to do with, like, I didn't molest that woman when she was 14. His entire defense is that she's filing her suit in the wrong jurisdiction. What? Which feels like it shouldn't really matter. It seems like whoever the judge is in this jurisdiction just be like, okay, well, we're still going to decide if you're a child molester right now. And then I'll just call the judge in whatever other town and tell him where we landed. Well, let's just keep going, though. He's just standing across county lines there. Safe. Someone <laughs> someone bring me a teenage girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So uh, I guess the, the money troubles are a combination of the job market, but also the molesting. Uh-huh. He left that part out. But yeah. actually, it's not the job market. More claims that Big atheism is keeping him unemployed. But it turns out there actually is a good labor market for bigot pedophile judges in Alabama. It was like we expected. (laughs) Moore actually makes about $180,000 a year for part-time work at the Foundation for Moral Law. (sighs) Uh, I want to switch sides. I just changed my mind, by the way. Not moving to Kentucky. Not unreasonable. (laughs) Uh, And... uh, (laughs) Despite being twice removed from his job as Alabama Chief Justice, 
Moore still gets a six-figure pension from that state as well. Nice. Granted, that doesn't cover 250 grand for legal defense against each of his nine and counting accusers, but uh, fuck him. Nobody cares. <laughs> right. <laughs> also, if you're going to fuck kids, get a rainy day fund, man. Kid fucking 101. Yeah, rainy it, day it, fund. If we've learned nothing else from the Catholics, <laughs> first you get the perpetual cemetery maintenance fund, then you <laughs> fuck the kids. Okay, get purple sanitary maintenance. Cross that out. <laughs> cross that out. <laughs> no. Circled it. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's my advice for Roy Moore. Rizzle Mizzle, if you need some money, <laughs> I guarantee you there's demand for this. Do some gay porn. <laughs> Do some gay porn. <laughs> yes! There's so much demand. I don't think I know a single human being of any sexuality who wouldn't pay pretty good money to watch a cream pie video of Roy Moore and a Christian cake shop owner getting railed <laughs> with dicks and tasty pastries. All the money you want, yeah. bro. <laughs> yep. In fact, I think, yeah, it's decided we're officially hiring for that position at Puzzle in a Thunderstorm. Give us a call, Roy. We're ready. Okay. I know what ZipRecruiter ad we're doing next time. Nope. They have one, so. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and in, for Christ's sakes, just be a gay guy news tonight. <laughs> a 12 hundred page dossier containing the names of 34 actively gay priests and six seminarians was released to the Vatican this week. Thanks to Francesco Magna Carpa, a gay male escort who told local media he couldn't put up with the priests hypocrisy any longer. Wait, I, wait, actively gay. <laughs> like that's how many of them are gaying at any given time. I, I feel like I know what he means, but I'm, I'm picturing a room in the Vatican where priests are just working at shifts of 34, like, Switching off dicks like relay batons. <laughs> Actually, I think it's about the level of enthusiasm. Oh, I see. Um, I see if you just yeah. lay there, it's not technically gay. That's oh, true. okay. That's a true thing. You're, you're passively gay, but <laughs> so was Jesus. So well, right, because they fingered his holes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So the document, which includes erotic photos, text messages, and more, is all about consenting adults, for the record, which, as we established last week, is fine. Okay, we... We hadn't established that until last week. 30% of us hadn't established it till last week. So again, just to be clear, totally fine to be a gay guy. Totally fine to be a gay guy who likes uh, male escorts. Male escorts are great. Third best profession. Just saying. Okay, well, you obviously want one of us to ask you which you think are the best, the first one. Uh, Mormon prophet and vice Mormon prophet. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm just throwing this down now. Either this story is true or some priest just needed a really quick excuse for the huge folder full of gay pictures he was carrying around. But oh. photos are just passively gay. Oh, right. So yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Still. So the problem, and Mr. Magna Carpa points this out, is that it's not fine to be a gay guy who likes male escorts and be part of an international cabal of child rapists hoarding Nazi gold who actively opposes gay rights and contraceptions wherever you have power. You have to choose, you see. You well, have to choose. Yeah, you do, but you also have to choose the former. <laughs> right? If it's those two. If you want to be fine, I just want to be super clear that raping children with Nazi gold is bad, even if you're an openly gay male escort. I just want to point that because you may not have seen it on the whiteboard. I do have it on the whiteboard. I've stopped looking. The print is too small. It's a lot of... Yeah, okay, I don't like that we have a Venn diagram at work and one of the circles is fucking a child. <laughs> <laughs> like, we shouldn't need the diagram. We shouldn't need yeah. it, no, but we should have it. 
I want you to know what subset attacked. is, but that, that I guess that's not the biggest <laughs> point. But. I feel attacked. And so, of course, <laughs> because this isn't kid fucking, the Vatican is taking this very, very seriously. Yeah, with the right. Archdiocese <laughs> of Naples already stepping in and discussing disciplinary action. You know, because it's not kid fucking. <laughs> so just a reminder, listeners and Catholics, if you're listening, and I know you are, being a gay guy, totally fine. Preferable, actually, to being a straight guy. Being a gay guy who works to pour billions of dollars against your own sexuality, not fine. Be a gay guy. I feel like we need a theme song for this. I'm going to work on one. <laughs> right. We'll get another one of these, and I'll I'll get Anna to... All right, well, while we something. figure out what rhymes with hypocrisy, we're going to take a break for an ad this week that has nothing to do with Roy Moore being in gay porn, Eli. Theocracy. Oh. Yeah, no, that's good. We, now we can do something else. Hi, typical job website technical support. How can I help you? Yeah, I'm looking to hire someone for my company. Fantastic. So you went to ZipRecruiter.com? Uh, no, no. Uh, I went here uh, and I forgot my password. So I was wondering if you could... One second, I'm going to put you on hold, sir. Damn it. Hi, I'm back. So did you go to ZipRecruiter.com yet? No, uh, I want my password. Why would I go to ZipRecruiter.com? Oh, because it's the smarter way to hire. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Okay, but what about your website? One second, I'm going to put you on hold. Again? And I'm back again. Sorry, to answer your question, we're basically a very expensive trash can for you to throw your listing into here at Typical job posting website you just throw it right uh, in there right but but you say on your ad copy that you have like 45 bajillion people we do we do 45 bajillion people just lost and alone wandering through listing after listing with no guidance unable to find you like a lightness storm that was that was pretty thank you i was a poetry major okay great but uh what about zip recruiter hold again why? Where are you going? Just continue. Okay, I'm back. Well, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Okay. And uh, if I find a candidate on your website? Hasn't happened. Can't tell you. It would be, I don't know. Which right. Is right. Okay. I guess I'll try this ZipRecruiter thing, but your website was like super expensive to list on. I know we were, right? Well, right now, scathing atheist listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. One second, I'm going to put you on hold. Please do not do that. Oh, I just make it stop. And I'm back. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I just want to uh, ask... Putting you more... on hold. Ah! Hold. And I'm back. <laughs> hold. <laughs> a man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate rape. And it's a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Misogyny. You know... I've often wondered what religious women think. Like, I kind of get the Ann Coulters and the Sandy Rioses of the world. Fly me around on a jet and pay me to be a massive bitch and I might be tempted to figure out the cleverest way to say that feminism is for sluts. 
But I haven't been to a church since video games had continue codes. And even when I was, I spent most of the time looking around like I was checking for fire exits whenever the Timothy Deuteronomy shit got started. But what do you do when your whole life is built around being a lesser kind of human? Fifty Shades of Grey has nothing on 50 shekels of silver. Which brings me to my first story this week. It comes to us through an expose by Marie-Lucille Kubaki in Women Church World magazine. Her article deals with a form of religious misogyny that doesn't get as much attention as it should on this segment. The damn near enslavement of nuns. Now, this article is surprising, not just because of its content, which I'll get to in a moment, but because Women Church World magazine is published by the Vatican. If the next article had been, we got to stop fucking all these kids, I would have been no less surprised at the level of honesty that made it past the papal censors. In the article, several nuns came forward under pseudonyms to talk about the awful conditions they often live under. They work long hours as servants to priests and bishops, oftentimes with little or no pay, and they're not even allowed to eat at the same table with the men that they serve. So I guess we can at least hope there's a rash of nuns Octavia Spencering the hell out of priests. And speaking of being full of shit, our next story takes us to Mississippi. Quick public service announcement to our listeners down there. They're coming for your uterus again, especially if it's got some cum in it. This week, Mississippi passed its much-anticipated 15-week abortion ban. The ban, if signed into law, would make it a felony for a doctor in this state to perform an abortion after 15 weeks and does not, not include exceptions for rape or incest. You know, lest this be confused for anything other than an attempt to keep women pregnant and afraid. And the worst part is everyone involved knows it's illegal. This ban is bait by so-called religious rights group, the Alliance Defending Freedom, in the hopes it'll be challenged all the way up and Christianity can get a more favorable, read evil, president from the Supreme Court. That's right. It's not just inhumane, misogynistic bullshit. It's inhumane, misogynistic bullshit aimed at the national level. Now, as usual, we'll follow the story and hope someone at a lower court will stop it because from the Supreme Court that gave us Trinity Lutheran, there's no such thing as a no-brainer. Well, except for Thomas. And on that foreboding note, I'll turn you back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in Yes We Kansas news, lawmakers in Kansas are apparently super happy with how everything's going in their state. Nobody seems to know why they feel that way, but they do. <laughs> and that's why instead of working on doing a single real thing, they've been busy crafting resolutions, <sighs> also known as doing nothing and writing a memo about it. Yep. Which sounds stupid, but harmless, I guess, but not in Kansas. They managed to make doing nothing into hate speech. The resolution they came up with most recently uh, basically says LGB. That's it. We will not <laughs> abide a fourth fucking letter. Fuck that T. <laughs> now, that was a weird episode of Sesame Street. Fuck that T. That was a weird. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the resolution starts like this. Quote, whereas all persons are created in God's image. There it is. And therefore have inherent dignity and inalienable rights. Uh, I feel and, like they're going to uh, welch on that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. And whereas God's design was the creation of two distinct and complementary sexes, male and female. Uh, there it is. <laughs> there it is indeed. And whereas transgenderism differs from hermaphroditism or intersexualism in that the sex of the individual is not biologically ambiguous and uh, 
Actually, end quote. I'm going to stop right there because what? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck were they talking about just now? Uh, pretty easy, Heath. God gave all men and women rights. Everyone else can go fuck themselves unless <laughs> you disagree with George Washington, Heath. George He's got Washington. a holiday. He's got his own holiday. I, I feel like this is one of those things where like the last guy to learn something assumes nobody else knew it. Right, like the guy who wrote this just found out that trans doesn't mean having a vagina on your dick, so he figures he should point that out in the resolution. <laughs> yeah, uh, and from there, the rest of the resolution, it's basically it's like a crazy person in tears scream crying about the pronoun penis relationship being torn asunder. <laughs> and uh, it ends with, it is resolved that trans is not a real thing known to what? the state of Kansas. <laughs> Fucking what? It's like cigarettes in California. It's real weird. Yeah. So uh, again, other than being wildly offensive, there's absolutely nothing accomplished with this resolution. And that's because, again, a resolution, a non-binding resolution is basically just a meaningless declaration that uses the word whereas to make it sound smart. But it's not legislation. It's literally just a piece of paper that says, we think this now in our stupid state. So uh, it's like it's about as useful as Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> Except in this case, uh, I guess it's like if Michael Scott walked out of his office, yelled, I declare bankruptcy. And then he just went right over to Stanley, got right up in his face and screamed the N word. <laughs> now, that's a weird episode of Sesame Street. Yeah, no, that one was pretty yeah. weird. And then screamed the F word at Oscar. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. ridiculous. And in extra systematic failure news tonight, grown men in archaic dresses and silly hats that think their angels are planning a week-long international conference to address the rise in people being non-consensually piloted by demons from the netherworld. And I'm an asshole for not showing it respect, apparently, because <laughs> the people running our universe simulation apparently collected sufficient data already, and now they're just fucking with us. <laughs> just an interdimensional being. And now we make Big Bang Theory the most watched show on television. But make sure nobody he knows or has ever met watches it. This is fun. <laughs> Fridays are fun. <laughs> He's actually flying somewhere in April. Check it out. Check it out. I got a baby detoxing from heroin <laughs> sitting right behind him yeah, the whole right. way. So, yeah, uh, we've been talking on this show for a while about the Vatican's repeated hand-wringing over an increase in demonic possession and the unprecedented need for qualified exorcists, partly because it's quintessentially insane and partly because we fear that if successful, Trump might take a cue from them and say as well, also is there to keep out the white walkers. But mostly we're tracking it because they're still raping fucking kids and covering it up instead of focusing on solving that problem. They're spending vast resources making sure people don't say Candyman in a mirror too many times. Okay, okay, one time is too many, Noah. You never know, all right? You don't know how many times that mirror has been exposed to Candyman. I just said it right. I'm not... Well, okay, so just in case this wasn't stupid enough for you yet, the Vatican doubled down last week by proposing a possible vector for all these new demons. Uh, Friar Benigno Polia... Uh, anyway, one of the organizers of the upcoming conference explained that the, uh, the, the increase is probably caused by fortune tellers and tarot card readers who, quote... Open the door to the devil and to possession, end quote. When confronted with the fact that there hasn't actually been an increase in those activities, he responded, quote, like it fucking matters. This is all bullshit to make people think priests still do something other than fuck kids, end quote. 
He's just like, seriously, name a thing. I'll blame that. And four million Spanish grandmas will forward that shit to their grandkids. Look, Slinkies. Now it's Slinkies. See that? <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's <laughs> got a bunch of people to hate Slinkies. Woo. <laughs> and finally tonight, in Lawn Gnome, Alaska news, U.S. Congressman Don Young of Alaska had a great idea last week about how to stop Holocausts from happening. Huh. I'm listening. Um, I'm listening. <laughs> okay, well, actually, let me let me start from the beginning. Uh, Michelle Bachman stared at a lawn gnome until it came to life. It joined the Republican Party. It moved to Alaska <laughs> and it ran for Congress. It is named Don Young now. Mm. Sure, I believe you. It's the least ridiculous thing to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, last week, the gnome was thinking about all the mistakes made by Jewish people in Nazi Germany, like you do, you make lists like that. And he realized there were a bunch. Apparently, the Jewish people handled the whole thing very poorly. <laughs> oh, <did they? laughs> but the biggest thing they did wrong was not owning enough guns. Oh, God damn According it. to Don Young. Yeah. Just like those kids in Parkland, Florida. Yeah, who right. Also deserved it. And uh, this was all <laughs> oh, such a useful series of ideas that he had. The gnome decided to say it all out loud on camera at a public event. Yeah, because, you know, what the Holocaust lacked was armed resistance. I say it all the yeah, time. Well, right. No, if you think about it, it was kind of their fault. I mean, there's something like half a million Jews in Germany in 1933. Each of them only needed to take out 26 Nazis. I, I, I've done that on Bionic Commando in an afternoon without using a continue. This was not that hard, Jews. <laughs> yes, For the so, younger uh, listeners, Bionic Commando <laughs> was a video game before graphics. <laughs> <laughs> It's a sweet game. That's pretty fucking cool. So uh, <laughs> during a conference in Juneau, Mr. Young was asked about his thoughts on school shootings. And here's what he had to say. Quote, how many millions of people were shot and killed because they were unarmed? What is 50 stupid? million in Russia. <laughs> okay, what? wait, questions. I have questions. Yeah, no, there's going to be a lot of questions. We just we got to push through <laughs> sometimes when Don Young's talking. Uh, he continues... How many Jews were put in the ovens because they were unarmed? End quote. What? And um, yeah, he didn't have a number for that Jewish question. <laughs> so I guess he was really asking. Do you guys know how many Jewish people were put in ovens because they didn't have a gun? Was it a lot? <laughs> okay, here's my question. Does he think the Jews were unarmed due to gun control? Like, in his mind, is there a chapter in the rise yes. and fall of the Third Reich where Jews all like massively submit to a buyback program? Like, what is yes. <laughs> well, yeah, when they had guns in those concentration camps, they didn't fuck with them. And also, I want to point out uh, a lot of people that died in World War II were armed. Not a lot of people know that. I think throw we'll throw that out there too. Yeah, all of the French army was just nightsticks. <laughs> Right. There you yeah. go. So uh, That's how we the, know the clip ended with that question about the ovens. But uh, if we're extrapolating the rest of his remarks, the pattern tells us he continued, gas chambers don't kill people. Uh, unarmed victims kill people <laughs> them, themselves. Yeah, the Jews right. killed themselves. <laughs> the Holocaust was really about... I mean, look at how, look how they were dressed. No, nope. oh, nope. Sorry. <laughs> Just give me a second. I'm gonna get it. The Jews did it. Damn it. Okay, somebody else go. I pass. I pass. We ran it through the software, the, you know, yeah. bigot autocomplete, and that's what we got. <laughs> All right. Well, quick before Heath tricks Eli into opining on who needed guns more between Holocaust victim and American slaves. Oh, we're going to close out the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. 
Uganda forever. <laughs> and when we come back, <laughs> we'll end the blissful portion of our lives when we'd never read any Lee Strobel. Okay, hold still. Hey, Eli, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Noah. Well, I'm just super excited about the American Atheist Convention, and there's so much merch to send, and it's also pricey and time-consuming, so carrier pigeons. Carrier pigeons. Eli, why not just try stamps.com? Stamps.com? Yeah. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. You buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. Wait, any package? Because these guys can hold like a pound max. (laughs) Uh, Which is amazing, by the way, for a pigeon that size. (laughs) Don't do this. Anyway, anyway, Stamps.com makes it easy. They'll send you a digital scale that automatically calculates exact postage. Stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. No need to lease an expensive postage meter, and there are no long-term commitments. I wouldn't call it a commitment so much as I would call it like a partnership. I don't know that commitment. You know, I was thinking a different. Well, anyway, we use stamps.com because it's the best way to send our merch and Patreon rewards all over the world. But I also use it for all my personal mailing and shipping needs, too. And right now, you, too, can enjoy the stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four week trial plus postage and the digital scale. That does sound easier. So how do I try it? Well, you go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in scathing. That's stamps.com, enter scathing. Oh, of course we'll still hang out. It's just now we won't be work friends, you know? I I notice Heath had to play the pigeon in this sketch. How dare you? <laughs> After much internal discussion, dialogue with our listeners, and preemptive alcohol and or drug use, we decided that the next book in our endless series of shitty books we read for you would be Lee Strobel's international bestseller, The Case for Christ. Now, we're not going to get to the book proper until next week because we felt like we needed at least one week to prepare ourselves for the task at hand. So, gentlemen, any special exercises or anything that you did to prepare to dive so deep into such a shallow mind? Um, some post-emptive alcohol and drug use also. That too, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also tried to do a pull-up, but it didn't take really. So <laughs> uh, I've been doing flexed arm hang. Well, there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I went to a farm and swam around in the actual shit of a bull in the hopes of <laughs> homeopathic inoculation. So we'll see. All right. All right, good excuse. And somehow we renewed Lucinda's annual contract in our masochistic book club, Lucinda. How much are you looking forward to a year's worth of pseudo-history and motivated bullshit? Well, I'm kind of hoping that after the Book of Mormon, I've developed an immunity to it. Right, okay, yeah, some uh, <laughs> right. very much like uh, like Eli's idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we did crack this thing open a little bit and work our way through the introduction and stuff, but before we talk about that, I, w- I wonder if any of you has uh, wants to take a stab at summarizing Strobel's writing style. Uh, um, up Gore 5. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, Eli's notes without the edit. <laughs> okay, we have to talk about how b- this is a stupid person book. Oh, right? yes. This, everything about this, like, there's whole pages that are like, chapter three coming up. You ready? It's in two pages. <laughs> One page until chapter. Everything's large print. It's a heartbreak. This book is 45 pages if you put it in normal. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and 
He's that guy trying to use fancy words to sound smart, but mm. it's definitely a stupid person book. Absolutely. The first three words of the intro are in the parlance. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it's it's clearly supposed to be part of the argument, too. Like people are going to be going like, oh, he said parlance syncope per se infinite. Fuck. Jesus <laughs> is real. That means Jesus yeah. is real. Right. Yeah. right. All right. Now, we should probably acknowledge up front that we've already seen the movie and obviously we've heard all of these arguments that he makes in the book before. So is is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to? No. (laughs) Good answer. Uh, I'm going to go with ancient coded coins about Jesus. Oh, right. Right. (laughs) It's going to be fun. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go with making it to my deathbed without being included in the we saw the movie group. <laughs> Fuck that noise. <laughs> All right. Okay. So is there anything that you're particular? This is an easier uh, question to answer, I imagine. Is there anything you're particularly dreading? Well, now that I've read the intro, 2018, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of ruined it for me. 2018 was already ruined. Um, <laughs> I am uh, a little bit worried. I think he might convert me. Uh-oh. I mean, right? <laughs> parlance is a pretty sweet word. <laughs> the more I think about it. Uh, I'm least looking forward to the argument from what if he rubbed some tussin in the crucifixion debunking. Yeah, right. Before we get to the end of this, we're going to be debunking some awfully fucking stupid theories. I just want to point out that in the acknowledgments, he fatally undercuts the idea that he was an atheist when he started researching this book. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, he basically starts the book with, I considered myself the average church-going atheist. (laughs) Yeah. Well, as an atheist, you know, I generally don't put together presentation series for my local church about how right the, uh, they are, nor am I impressed by the faith of the people I interview. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, and we're not even into the the Arabic numeral pages, and I'm already mad. Like, we're on page, like, letter I or whatever it was, and he describes Bible apologists as having, quote, humble and sincere faith. Can it be? Is that what? Humble me? I'm taking away their humble. (laughs) We'll keep a list going so far. Humble and parlance. (laughs) Do you you get them back at the end of the school year if you're good? Probably still not. All right. So he's going to introduce this thing. We get to the introduction. He's going to introduce it with a prolonged example of a cold case or not really. I I think the point he's trying to make with this is reporter is a cooler job than you probably think. Right. And his point here is, look, even though all evidence is going to say one thing, sometimes... It's another way, 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 way less likely thing. <laughs> right. Or as I call it, the argument from Adnan is innocent. <laughs> yeah, he's doing that like overdramatic professor thing from first day of class. Like, he might as well line up like the entire fossil record on a table in front of him and like millions of years of evolution, right? Sweeps it all off the table. Or is it all a Jewish conspiracy? <laughs> See, I read it more like, let me start by talking about a murder trial so there's a reference to something interesting in this book. Yeah, no, that could be it. Um, Yeah, so he's telling the seemingly open and shut case of Dixon, the cop shooter. Hmm? Right, and the story goes, the guy, Dixon, is fighting with his wife and a gun, you know, the way innocent people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the cops show up to break up the fight, and he fights back, you know, the way innocent people do. (laughs) And a cop gets shot. Dixon then confesses and pleads guilty. Or is there? (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) But wait, there's more. It turns out the cop actually shot himself with a secret illegal ink pen gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I love how he's trying to make it seem like he did something here. But some dude just called the newspaper where he worked and said, actually, he shot himself yeah. with a pen gun. Yeah. Do any journalism. No, no investigative work here. I mean, and when he showed up to like take a look at the evidence, the prosecutors had already figured that out. So he wasn't, he didn't even like take the message from one person to another. <laughs> yeah, he didn't person. seek out this information. It proves the opposite of his like implied point, which is that he's great at finding. Yeah, things. exactly. <laughs> yeah, Brian. this is like if God called the Earth on a giant speakerphone and was like, "Yeah, no, I really did have my kid get nailed to a cross." <laughs> it seems like a weird thing to do, but no, yeah, seriously, like it, I did it. Right, and Strobel thinks investigative reporting is listening to that speaker call. Yeah. <laughs> that speaker call. Exactly. <laughs> So now he goes back over all the evidence that seemed to point to Dixon's guilt, but now it points to Jesus being Lord. Sorry, I got ahead of the analogy. <laughs> it points to the pin gun thing. In yes. an, a roundabout way yes. to Jesus being Lord. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's like someone retelling you the riddle about the surgeon, except the son turns out to be a robot. And now they add the part where the parent is also a robot. They're like, what you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like we're going to need to take away Deus Ex Machina, too, for the semester. Because pretty sure he's going to mangle that term and go for a literal god from a literal machine at some point. It's going to be like... Dawkins giving a lecture. God's just going to land on his head in a flying saucer and be like, nope, me. <laughs> and see, I'm real. That would convince me. Also, he opens this point, bit out by pointing out that Dixon was pounding on his girlfriend's door with a gun. And then he finishes by concluding that there's no evidence Dixon had violent tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries so badly to pass over this. He's just like, you know, you're pounding on the door. She's got the music blasting. So what can you do to raise the volume of your knock without disturbing the Heideke rock? Well, the butt of a gun. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> so then he's like, as for me, well, I had nothing to do with anything, really. But I, but I learned some important lessons that day. From the right. speaker phone call. Okay. No matter what the evidence says, it could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So he breaks it down. Lesson one, evidence can be aligned to point in more than one direction. Mm. I'll be taking a lot of advantage of that in this book, guys. <laughs> How do we know Jesus didn't shoot himself with a pen gun? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the Jews. Be careful, Lee Strobel. Right. Might get away from you. You open this door. Um, and then he gives this lesson two. Evidence can be misleading based on your preconceptions. Yeah. I'm still going to conclude that my religion is right, but I'm going to do it objectively. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think this is called the argument from Clarence Thomas. Yeah, well, only if he didn't actually <laughs> say the words. Yeah. <laughs> also, we're really going to be ignoring the dead people can't come back to life preconception along the way. So in case you're wondering <laughs> about which preconceptions we're going to be challenging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we get to a subchapter called From Dixon to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, it, the, which it doesn't look bad until you say it out loud. Well, yeah, that's what you say it out loud. You're like, man, maybe the guy's name could be Smith huh. just from for the, the mouth of babes. <laughs> wait, no. <laughs> from the. <laughs> no. Right, okay. So he opens this one by saying, For much of my life, I was a skeptic. In fact, I considered myself an atheist. And I'm sorry, considered myself? <laughs> It sounds like that whole same-sex attraction thing, but applied to disbelief. <laughs> Identity politics. <laughs> yeah. 
As someone who's watched enough of Anthony Magnabosco's YouTube channel to knit a sweater of deluded lies at this point, I used to be an <laughs> atheist always means I wasn't a crazy person yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too skeptical to be a skeptic. <laughs> the horseshoe theory of being rational. It wraps around to create weight. No. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, yeah. I'd summarize it as I used to think all the stuff that Christians think atheists think. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so here's his atheist thought. This is what he offers up as the evidence that he used to conclude that God was mythological with back when he was an atheist. Okay. How could there be a loving God if he consigned people to hell for not believing in him? How could miracles contravene the basic laws of nature? Didn't evolution satisfactorily explain how life originated? And what do you mean this man is made of straw? It's a real guy. <laughs> Dude, see, he's uh, waving. I'm wondering if he's going to answer any of these questions. Uh, no, no, he is not. <laughs> not that that would matter. No. Of course, he's also got to add that even as an atheist, he obviously still thought Jesus was the bee's knees. Right. Just not God. Yeah, but. <laughs> right. Jesus is all right. Yeah, it's just like, great. Okay, so we've established that Jesus was perfect and maybe God, but maybe not. <laughs> we don't know. That's where we are. May Will you just grab the other end of this goalpost? Thanks. Yeah, right. <laughs> maybe God is where we are starting right. now. Right. He does this obvious, like, I knew Jesus was a great man full of wise teachings and not a bananas and pajamas level crazy person who <laughs> at best wanted to curb Bronze Age mandatory murder. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, and then he actually just says, uh, Jesus was nothing more than the fanciful invention of superstitious people. Or so I thought. <laughs> he just says Jesus three times in the mirror. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> It'll just and then we get to the inciting incident. He's like, then my wife became a Christian, that bitch. Right, yeah. <laughs> and like any atheist, he was afraid that she'd A, become a sexually repressed prude, okay. Okay. B, trade all their fun life for prayer nights, okay. And C, make him go to soup kitchens with poor people in them. <laughs> Fuck you. Right, right. But instead, she just turned better, you know, like. Christians yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such an obvious dodge that she became a prude, right? Like, why would you put that in there if you're not going to say, no, I'm telling you, she let me put that crucifix anywhere I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, if that was the case, worth it. Worth yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. It's like, you know, like, dude, we know your wife's going to read this, but he's like, no, I, so I set aside my atheism and I studied Jesus and it turned out the only conclusion I could hope to sell a book about in 1992 was the one I reached. What are the odds? <laughs> yeah, brings up a pretty important question. What was he going to do if he concluded that Jesus wasn't real? Right. Podcast? <laughs> fair. Yeah, fair. Yeah. 20 years later anyway. And then we reach the final bit of the intro where he challenges us to judge for ourselves. And the opening is basically, are you sure you're an atheist? Like, like, how sure are you? <laughs> are you positive? Oh, okay. If you're so sure how many you have, you won't mind counting your fingers and toes again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, asshole. Well, I have a humble and sincere faith in my atheism. Are we done? Go fuck yourself. That's my new answer for subway preachers for every question. Yeah. Well, let's not be so dismissive. He has 13 leading scholars and authorities, damn it. How mm. many do the atheists have? Um, oh, right. The rest of 
rest them shit yeah exactly <laughs> all of them minus 13 yeah okay so then he tells us uh he's looked at all the evidence and this then he lists, so good. lists the type of evidence <laughs> he's, he's looked at the eyewitness evidence there is none uh the documentary evidence there is none that's contemporary anyway uh corroborating evidence what that's <laughs> meaningless without the first two yeah exactly evidence evidence yeah right no it gets worse rebuttal evidence that's not a different that's kind of evidence. evidence that's just all that stuff but going the other way many uh, scientific evidence hey you got one um psychological evidence <laughs> fucking what what circumstantial evidence ding 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 and yes this is his fucking words and yes even fingerprint evidence what yeah, I should have saved my fucking what for that one. Sorry, I went early on the psychological evidence. Never happened bef- to me before. Yeah. He's going uh, he's going over it in the meeting. He's like, okay, guys, what kind of evidence is there? Okay, who said logical possibility? This is serious. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, Josephus, get out. Get out. <laughs> Leave. Right, and, and then at the very end, he's like, so be objective and don't forget that your immortal soul relies on agreeing with me by the end of this. <laughs> yes, yes. In the what? middle of his be objective speech, he's like, also, you'll go to hell if I'm wrong, if you're wrong on this one. Yeah. I fucking love it. All right. Well, that's where the book begins, but that's where sure. we're going to end our read for today. So I have to ask, are you guys up for the challenge that Lee has laid before us to be objective? Oh, fucking no. God. This is worse than regular jury duty. Isn't it? I do not want to do I'm blinking. Hostage. Hostage. <laughs> <laughs> so tap out, Marsh. Tap out. Marsh is used to this shit. No, it's Marsh code. All right. So let's be, uh, let, let me give this thing the hard sell here. Will Lee change our minds? Will we accept the divinity of Jesus? Will it turn out this whole show was just one big misunderstanding? No. But tune in next week anyway as we take our seat in the jurors thing. There's probably a name for it. And begin to examine the case for Christ. Before we make like a baby and head out, I want to let everyone know that if you're going to be at the American Atheist Convention in Oklahoma City on Easter weekend, you can look for us there. We're going to have a table. We'll be slinging merch, taking selfies, licking Eli, and we'd love a chance to meet you in person. I know that sounds like the kind of thing I'd say even if I didn't really mean it, but we're spending a lot of money to be there, and the only real reason is for a chance to thank you for listening face-to-face. So if you're going to be there, please do us a favor. Come by and give us that chance. And if you need more info about the con, check the show notes for this week's episode. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend God Awful Movies debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday and an even newer episode of our half-sister show Citation Needed debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. And if even that's too long to wait, you can get bonus nuggets of scathiasm all week long by liking our Facebook page. Obviously, I'd be a shit excuse for a host if I neglected to thank the intrepid blizzard traverser Heath Enright who had to spend a night in a tauntaun to make it back in time to record this week. I also want to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lusions for an amazing streak of consecutively not divorcing me over our reading selection. I want to thank the lovely in his own way Eli Bosnick for eventually agreeing that a bikeathon was not the most fun way to get to Oklahoma City. I also want to thank One Man Bastard for providing this week's Farnsworth quote, but most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people. Tyler, Jeff, Sean, James, Michael, Richard, Mo, Stephen, Shea, I got through the Northern Wall, turned down for Angkor Wat, and Michael. Tyler, Jeff, Sean, and James, whose ejaculations were clearly on the vision board of the blizzard that hit us last week. Michael, Richard, Mo, and Stephen, whose directions are so firm they might be subjected to a new international tariffs. And Shea, I got through the Northern Wall, turned down for Angkor Wat, and Michael are so sexy, even their names have to be blacked out in a PG-13 movie. Together, these 12 tremendous treasures of truth paid tribute to our triumphant tribunal of transcendent traditions this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the fecal code 
cohesion it takes to give us money, but if you've got your shit together, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you're hoarding money against the economic collapse being unabashedly quartered by our national policy, you can also help a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, sharing the show on social media, and saving us some shoe leather if worse comes to worse. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of B. Andrew Torres and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. A lot, a lot more money in it if, if the show does turn out to be a big misunderstanding. Yeah, no, there is that. <laughs> Throwing that out there. So, like, let's not go down <laughs> totally. Let's. Right. We'll kick it around at the meeting. One vote. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.